excited to uh, start this new series on heaven together. We've been talking about it for a while, have I? I've been threatening for a while to get this series started, so looking forward to beginning that together with you this weekend. Man, wasn't the weather great today? We got a little bit of a cheat for spring, right? Does anybody know, does anybody know what the temperature was? 40? Well, hold on just a second, I'll check. Alexa, what's the temperature today? Oh, 37. So whoever said 46. Alexa, stop. How many of you, uh, how many of you got one of these for Christmas? Somebody gave us one of these. And I don't know if it's fun, if it's helpful, or if it's annoying. Amen. Oh my goodness. Isn't it interesting though how technology just keeps advancing more and more? Isn't that kind of cool? I've told our kids before, you know, they they make fun of us as parents. You know, we used to walk around on the beach or walk around when we were kind of at the swimming pool and we'd have our, what, parents? Tell me, we have our boombox, right? Have our boombox, you know, our cassette player with the, the headphones and the kids will make fun of that or they'll make fun of it. And this is a little bit before my time, but I remember my, my grandmother having a TV where, you know, you'd have to get up and actually turn the knob. Wow, that's old school. We, when we first got married, we actually still had that, that TV for my grandmother. It was like green. All the people looked like Martians, you know, the color was terrible. Nowhere near HD. But I, but I tell our kids, you know, your kids are going to laugh at you. They're going to laugh that you sat down in your house and watched a box to watch shows. And that you pointed a rectangle at that box to get to new shows that you want to watch. They're going to laugh at you. You think it's crazy, but they're, they're going to laugh at you that you took another box and put it up to your ear. And you would walk around and that's how you had to talk to people is that you had to go to this Verizon store and you had to, you had to buy these little boxes and you had to kind of get those boxes going and that's how you talk to people. Your kids are going to make fun of you because it's only going further and further. You know, sometimes technology can be bad for us or cause a lot of problems. But in another sense, technology is reflecting something good. We know that we were made for more than this. Amen? Amen? We sense that, don't we? Even if that's deep in our hearts, we'd have to admit this world does not seem like our home. This world does not seem right. We know we were made for something bigger. We were made for something better, more spectacular. This weekend, we're starting a new series called Home, and it's about the place that we call heaven. A place that God has always intended for us to live with Him. And over the next few weeks, we're going to learn a lot more about heaven. We're going to learn about what heaven is like. We're going to learn about who can go there. We're going to learn about uh, what we'll be like when we get there. We're going to learn how to get ready for heaven. And today we're going to start this series by thinking about this. We need to know and realize, first of all, that we will spend forever somewhere. Every person in this room is going to spend forever somewhere. I want to first of all start with this thought. Did you know 
Did you know, write this down, that we were made to last forever. God created us in such a way, some might call this that we are immortal. Now, there's a way of understanding the word immortal that might make that appropriate, but but different Bible teachers have different ways of seeing how that word is used. So I'm just going to keep it simple. However you want to say it, whatever term you want to use, the reality is that God created us in such a way that we, you as a human being, will exist somewhere forever. Let's go back to the book of Genesis. Seems like we've been in Genesis a lot lately, haven't we? Genesis chapter 2, verse 7. The Bible says this. It says, Then the Lord God, this is the account of creation. It says, Then the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground. And listen, think of this image. And breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living being. Isn't that an incredible image? God created Adam. And just kind of imagine if you're watching a movie of that, it'd be, it seems like it'd be hard to recreate that, wouldn't it? For us to be able to picture what that looked like. But the Bible says that God created Adam out of the dust and the Lord God breathed into his nostrils, breathed into his, that can be translated into his face, the breath of life. Wow. And right then, man, Adam, man became a living being, a living soul, a living person. Can you imagine that image? The same breath that breathed the universe into existence, breathed into Adam's nostrils. Psalm 33, verse 6 tells us that. It says, By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made. And by the breath of His mouth, all of their hosts. Everything that ever existed, God breathed it. God spoke it into existence. And guess what? That breath that God breathed into Adam has never gone out. Have you ever thought about that before? That breath, when He breathed it on that first day that He breathed into Adam, has never gone out. We are still breathing that first breath. Have you ever thought about that before? God breathed into Adam and then it went on to the next generation, then the next generation. And now that breath is still going on through you and through me. Isn't that amazing? I have never thought about that until this week as I was preparing for this message. God breathed the breath of life. And and by the way, it didn't just stop with Adam because it's still It still has not gone out for Adam. Adam still exists somewhere. I believe in heaven, but he still exists even today, even though he is not standing on this earth with us. And every indication we get after Adam is that from that point on, once that began, every other human being as well, once that happened, we all last, we all exist forever because God breathed into Adam. Now, some of you may have heard of a term that some people teach called annihilationism. Now, that's kind of a big word, but, but basically it just means that there's a point where we cease to exist. After our lives on this earth, either everybody ceases to exist, like the animals, or there are Christians who are beginning to teach that Christians go to heaven But people who aren't believers, who haven't put their faith in Christ, they just cease to exist. 
Just like an animal, they just die and they go away. But friends, as we look at the Bible, it seems to clearly indicate that once we are created, we will always, write that down, we will always exist somewhere after that point. And we know that, don't we? Don't we know that? The Bible says in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 11, that God has set eternity in our hearts. Hasn't He? Doesn't every culture show an understanding that there is a bigger picture? That, that there is an afterlife? That we are going somewhere one day? That there is more beyond this that we are experiencing right now? And God says in His Word that there are two choices for where we can spend forever. But before we dig into that, I want to think about that previous statement. Once we are created in our mother's womb, we will always exist somewhere after that. Friends, our world has made this cheap, has made it mechanical, has made it just a biological thing, has just made it like animal-like. Hey, two people got together. They had a one-night stand. They made a ball of cells. It's no biggie. And we can tell ourselves that all we want, but once that sperm and that egg come together for conception, I hope you see it now better than you ever have before. When that conception happens, a human being, a person is brought into existence and that person will exist somewhere from that point forward forever and ever. It is most certainly not a ball of cells. And by the way, I didn't even realize as I was preparing this message that this weekend was a march for life in Washington. That tomorrow many Christians are celebrating the sanctity of human life weekend. That Monday many Christians, many across the world are, are celebrating, celebrating the sanctity of life day. And we should. Because God breathed into Adam the breath of life and that has been passed on to us. And for forever and ever, those people who are created, you and me and all, will live forever somewhere. But now realizing that, I said there's two options that God gave for where we'll spend forever. Let's talk about that. The Bible says that there's the reality of heaven and hell. Do you know what the mortality rate is for people. It's 100%. In all seriousness though, 153,000 people die every day. Every hour, 6,400 people step into eternity. Every minute, 106 people die. And almost two people per second lose their life and leave this world and go into eternity. You know, as I was thinking about those numbers, the Lord stopped me for just a moment. He said, Robbie, you're, you're thinking 153,000, 4,000, I mean, you know, all these numbers. Those are people. Those are individuals that were born and that have an existence. And the Lord just stopped me for just a moment. Two people every second 
go into eternity somewhere. I don't know if I've ever shared this with you before, but every time I preach a message, I write on my notes as a dying man to dying men. And I do that for a reason. I don't mean to be morbid. I don't mean to be, you know, kind of sad or anything like that. But I just remind myself, this might be my last sermon. And I just remind myself, this might be your last message that you ever hear from God. We don't know when our time is. Amen? Friend, the Bible says this in Psalm 39, verse 4. Lord, make me to know my end. And Lord, make me to know what is the extent of my days. Let me know how transient I am. I hope you are given consideration to the fact, especially young people. And I don't say that to pick on you. I remember when I was young, I used to get tired of old people picking on young people. And even as I'm old, I'm tired of old people picking on young people. Young people are awesome. Amen. But, but young people, listen, be patient with us older people because what we're learning as we're getting older is some things that we're just trying to share with you as we're going a little bit further down the road. And as you go a little bit further down the road, you just realize this thing don't last forever. Amen? When I was 14, okay, old man on stage, okay, I know, one day... That ain't me. But we don't think like that. And that's why I just challenge you as a young person to listen. Some of you older people need to think about that. How short our lives are. And the Bible says that there are really two places. When we finish here, there are two places that we can go. Now, I know that we hear all sorts of things over the course of our lives. We watch movies. We watch Oprah. We, get our, we have our own opinions. Even, even churches sometimes. Everything from purgatory. There are people that many of you have been taught that when you leave this world, that you go to another existence and for a period of time at least, maybe for a long time, maybe for much longer than a long time, you have to kind of pay for or burn off all of your sins. The Bible does not teach that. Many of us have been taught reincarnation. Or we've heard, that's kind of a thing that we've sort of picked up, Eastern thought of, you know what, after we leave this life, we just kind of start over again. I kind of want to say, I hope not. I mean, I mean, I mean I'm not saying that I don't like my life. I love my life and I'm not, I'm not dying to, I'm not, I'm not wanting to leave anytime soon. I'm not dying to die. I'm not wanting to leave anytime soon. But, but I got to tell you, as that song said, this world is not my home. Reincarnation is not what the Bible teaches. Some Christians teach something called soul sleep. That when you die, you just go lay in the grave until much later. Not to mention all sorts of other things that we've heard or that we've picked up along the way. But friend, if you, if you read the Bible and you believe God's Word and you don't have to, but before you discount it quickly as just another religion, I just have to say to you, if you really do an objective study of all the religions of the world, you at the least have to say that this book is amazing. And really, it's much more than that. If you believe the Bible, the Bible says that there are only two places where we can spend eternity. There's this place we're studying called heaven, and there's another place called hell. Now, I want to mention heaven a little more briefly here. Write that down. The first place is heaven. That's definitely our first choice. I'm going to talk about that a little bit less because this is the focus of our series. And so we're going to be getting much, much more into heaven. I'm all for that. Amen. I'm looking forward to that. 
But here I just want to bring out this important point. In John chapter 14, Jesus made it very clear that heaven is a real place. John 14 verses 1 through 3. He says, do not let your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Trust in God the Father. Believe also in me, the Son. In my Father's house, there are many dwelling places. Some of your translations say many mansions. Anywhere in God's house is a mansion. Amen. In in my Father's house, there are many dwelling places. If I were not so, I would have told you. For I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself that where I am, there you may be also. Friends, the Bible says that heaven is a real place. Now, don't hurt yourself, okay? But reach over with one arm, reach over and just pinch yourself, okay? Can you feel? You're real, right? You're real. Don't pinch your neighbor. Okay, that's me. Pinch yourself. I saw some people being ugly. You're real, right? Just as real as you are real. The Bible says there is a real place called heaven. Luke chapter 10 verse 20 says, if you have trusted in Christ, your name is written there. Isn't that great? I have a reservation that's been called ahead on the books in a real place called heaven. Matthew chapter 6 verse 20 says, you can be storing treasures there right now if you're living for God. Many people right now are really loving that stock market, right? Man, just keep racking up that, that, that 401k, right? You're, what are you doing? You are storing up some treasure because you know later you're going to be at a different point in your life and you're going to need those things pushed on ahead, right? Well, even beyond your 401k, you're going to spend forever somewhere. The Bible says you can go on. And make investments and put them in a real place. This is not pretend. This is not a cartoon. In fact, if you think about it, the smartest investors would invest in eternity. Amen? Philippians 3 verse 20 says we're looking for our Savior to come from that place one day. He is in heaven. And one day He is coming from there to here to get us. Praise the Lord. Amen? The Lord's Prayer says... Jesus didn't say our Father who is in a stream of consciousness. He said our Father who is in what? Heaven. It's described in real physical terms. We're going to look at this later, so I'm not going to turn to it right now. Revelation. Write write down Revelation 21 and 22. In real physical detail, you see some of the picture of actually what heaven is going to look like and be like. So be sure what we're going to learn about over the next little while together is a real place. It's not imaginary. It's not subjective. It's not a state of mind. Heaven is a real place. Are you glad for that? Amen? Amen. And the other place the Bible talks about is a place called hell. Write that down. Now again, the focus of this series is on heaven. But you need to know, the reality is, there are two options for where we can spend eternity. And unfortunately, hell is one of those options. By the way, you need to know, that was not God's intention. God's intention was that there would be one option. That we would all spend forever with Him. 
But unfortunately, Adam and Eve made the choice to sin against God. And just let's all together say, thanks a lot, Adam and Eve. Amen. Thanks a lot. Amen. But all kidding aside, because of that choice, a, sex, a second option was brought in. Let me sadly, therefore, share a few things about hell that we know. Write this down. First of all, it is real as well. The Bible, Jesus, make it clear that hell is a real place too. In fact, many, many verses in the Bible talk about hell. Someone said Jesus spoke more about hell than anyone else in Scripture. And He spoke more about hell than He did about heaven. Hell is a real place. Secondly, hell is terrible. A man in hell in the Bible, in Luke chapter 16, verse 24, he's describing hell and he says, For I am in agony in this flame. You may wonder, why would Jesus talk about that so much? Well, many people might say that because they, they've, they've, they have an image of Christians and Christianity is being so harsh. So they get the idea that Christians enjoy talking about hell. Charles Spurgeon, the the great preacher of the past, said that when we talk about hell, there ought to be a tear running down our cheek. It's not something that we ought to be excited about. It's not something that we ought to be pounding our fist about. It's something that we should be concerned about. As far as Jesus' emphasis, we need to think about it more like this. If your child was riding off of a cliff, you'd say, stop. Not blessings, my child. Right? If your child was going off a cliff, you would say, warning, warning. And so the emphasis there is because He loves us and because He doesn't want us to go there. Some people talk about hell as if it would be a fun place to go. Now listen, especially for you young people or maybe somebody that's really just kind of turned your back on God and said, I don't care anything about God. Or maybe you shake your fist at God. Sometimes people say, I want to go to hell. And I want to go with all my friends. Well, friends, I want to share with you, that is not an accurate view of hell. When you're talking about friendship, you're talking about something that's of heaven. You're talking about something that is a God thing. There are no friends in hell. There's no friendship. There's no love. There's no family. There's no enjoyment. Listen, on this earth, God gives us what theologians call common grace. While we're on this earth, we all get to share some benefits. Thank the Lord. Somebody said it was 37 by, um, what's her name? Alexa. Somebody said it was 46. It's pretty sad when you start talking to it personally. Amen. Somebody said it was 46 degrees today. We all enjoyed that, whether we love God or not, right? But friends, that is a, that is a common enjoyment of the blessings of God in a measure, even though it's, it's broken in this world, But to some degree, we experience love and friendship and holidays and good things like that. But all those things are gone in hell. Number three, hell is forever. I know the language is severe and I don't want to focus on it too much. But the kind of language that is used over and over again is things like eternal. Friends, listen. The Bible says there is an eternal existence called hell. It says where their worm does not die. That means there's never ending decay. Where the fire is not quenched. That means the torment never stops. I want to give you just a couple of verses where the Bible talks about that. Just so because somebody might say, well, I don't believe that. I don't believe the Bible teaches that. 
Matthew 25, verse 41, Jesus. It says, Then He will also say to those on His left, Depart from Me, accursed ones, into the eternal fire, which has been prepared for the devil and his angels. By the way, the Bible says that hell was not prepared for us as human beings. God did not intend for us. He intended to send the devil and all of his angels, his messengers. We call them demons. God's going to put them there forever. He doesn't want us to go there. Mark chapter 9, verses 47 and 48. It says, It is better for you to enter in the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God with one eye. Now, I know that's a little confusing. We're jumping in the middle of a passage, but I just wanted you to see the reference to hell. Then having two eyes to be cast into hell, and then the main point where their worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. It makes it clear, friends. I don't like it. I wish it wasn't true. But I'm just being honest. The Bible teaches that hell is forever. Number four, hell is certain. God is a good God. And He's going to judge all the bad things. Now listen, if you began to understand this, you began to understand some of how all of this fits together. It is a good thing that God judges sin. Now when we're thinking about our sin, we don't think of that as a good thing. But just in general, it is a good thing that God one day will no longer allow stealing, right? Because you worked for something, it has value because you worked for it. And so when I go get that thing, that's a violation. I took away your work and your value when I did not earn that work or that value. When someone lies to you, That is not a good thing, is it? That's a violation. It breaks relationships apart. So all of these things we can recognize objectively, maybe not so much when it relates to our sin, but when we just think about sin in general, it's a good thing that God's going to get rid of stealing and lying and such, right? So we're glad for that. That's why we're about to study about a place called heaven where none of that will ever happen again. Praise the Lord. Amen? No sickness, no dying. I'm going to give away the rest of the series. All kinds of awesome stuff because God's going to eliminate the bad stuff. The problem is, now track with this, if God eliminates the bad, He has to, well, better word rather than eliminate. If God judges the bad, He has to judge us. And there's the problem. Hell is certain because we deserve to be judged. Now that's where the cross comes in. Thank God that He made a way out. Because He doesn't want us to be judged. When He's judging sin and He's dealing with it once and for all to get it out of the way, He doesn't want Robbie to be over there. He doesn't want you to be over there. So He made a way out by sending His Son for us. Praise God. Amen? Praise God He made a way out. But without that way out, hell is certain for us. Because we will be judged for our sins. And the last thing is, it's unnecessary. Jesus talked about hell because it's real, because it lasts forever, because it's a terrible place. And He does not want anybody to go there. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9 says that God is not willing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. Friends, God did not create you for the purpose of spending eternity apart from Him. He wants you to know Him and have a relationship with Him. Hell is unnecessary for us if we would just receive 
the gift that God offers to us of His salvation. Amen? We're going to learn some wonderful things about heaven together. But it's not just the glories of heaven. I can't wait to share these things. It's so awesome. But it's not just the glories of heaven that will bring joy to our hearts. Listen, friends. And I know, I know you said, Pastor Robert, this was a series on heaven. That was rough. But what joy and worship it will bring to our hearts one day in that beautiful, wonderful, not to be silly about it, but since we use the term for Disney, we may as well use it for God, magical place. To know not only that we got all that wonder, but that we missed all that garbage. That God rescued me. That God saved me from that. Doesn't that make it all the more joyful and worshipful? Thank you. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. I don't know why you bothered. Amen. But I'm so grateful that you did, Lord. I love you. And now I want to change our gears a little bit and turn back towards heaven. As great as it is that heaven means no hell for us, some people have made trusting God all about missing hell. Certainly one of the biggest advantages of going to heaven is missing hell. But one of the reasons that heaven will be so great is because I believe our hearts tell us that we were made for more than this. Write that down. We were made for something more. The message is we're going to spend forever somewhere. And though without Christ, hell is a very real threat to us. As we think back more in that positive direction, heaven makes sense, doesn't it? On this earth... Don't we sense there's got to be more than this? Amen? Can you imagine? Can you remember the greatest day ever in your life? I don't know if I have one. I mean, I'd say, you know, five, six, ten. That could just pop up real quick, right? Your child's first birthday? Wasn't that awesome? When your spouse proposed to you, Wasn't that just a great day? The start of something great in your life? That maybe a vacation that you took? Maybe, I'm going to tell you what, I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is. There is something about Lake George. I don't know what it is. There is something about that lake. I mean, people that live here, people that don't live here, everybody loves that lake. It is beautiful. It is, there's something captivating about it. And there's almost nowhere I'd rather be than out on a boat, out in the middle of Lake George, blue skies, I mean, just easy blowing, you know, just kind of a little bit of a, little bit of a breeze, catching some fish maybe, Lord, please. <laughs> Possibly a big one or two, amen. What's your good day? Your team won it all. Isn't that a good day? Man, we've been waiting for that. You got a great deal on something. You went on a cruise, whatever it might be. But if you think about it, as great as those days are, don't you always feel like it should have lasted just a little bit longer? 
Amen? You go visit your family for Christmas now? Sometimes it's, you know, no, it's about time to leave. But, some, but, but a lot of times, we'll just keep this positive. A lot of times, you're like, you know, oh, man. Man, I wish we could just all be together. You know, I remember growing up, piling up in the car. And, you know, you just got those memories. But now it's too complicated. I got kids and you got kids. And it's just never mind. Forget about it. But, but, but you just wish it could last. And well, many times when family comes to visit us, we'll pray that. I'll, probably, I'll literally pray when they walk in the door. I say, Lord, thank you for giving our family a safe trip. And I pray that you would just make the time go by as slowly as possible. Amen? Now, in some ways... You could see that as, well, there you go, we're never satisfied. We're never satisfied. You got a week off. You got a couple of weeks of Christmas vacation off from school. You know, you're never satisfied. And maybe that's true. But you know what? Maybe we're never satisfied in a good way. Think about it. Maybe we're never satisfied because we know we were made for more than this. Amen? Let's think about another direction. Earlier, I talked about Alexa. That makes sense to us, doesn't it? We shouldn't, listen, does anybody feel my pain? We shouldn't have to work this hard. I should be able to sit on my couch and command a little box to go get my groceries and bring them to me, right? <laughs> let's, let's, let's give a little contrast. Instead of that, I get on my laptop. My laptop battery is, won't work without the, 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 the cord in it. But I forgot. So then it goes off. So then I have to plug it in. I'm just, I'm just trying to pay a bill, which I don't want to do anyway, right? It goes off. And somebody's like, you should have got an apple. I know. No, okay, forget about it. I plug it in. It comes back on. It finally boots up. It goes through all the protections. It, I click, it's 15 minutes later. I don't want to pay this bill anyway. I get there. They don't recognize my credit card. I got to call the company. I'm talking to 10 people. This should not be this hard. And don't forget, I don't even want to do it anyway. That's why Alexa makes sense to me. I haven't figured it out yet, but Alexa, go handle it, right? (laughs) I just want to say, Alexa, pay that bill. And she just knows what I mean, right? (laughs) Think about it. Science fiction. Isn't that us saying we were made for more than this? Isn't it? Isn't it? We've been saying that for years. There, there's, there's other things out there. There's weird things out there. There's, you know, um, well, science fiction, UFOs, Star Trek, Star Wars, Chronicles of Narnia, all those things are us dreaming. We're saying there is more. People have dreams. People have vision. Now, I'm not saying all that's true, but I'm just saying science even tells us there are other dimensions that they're discovering. And you almost see the Lord over there saying... Take you long enough to get here to this dimension, right? <laughs> One author says we desire larger because we were made for larger. We just finished a series last week talking about looking at the stars. And the stars, they do inspire us, don't they? 
They inspire us to look to God, to trust God that He's got a bigger plan. But friends, the stars tell a much bigger story even than that. You stepped out of that tent and you looked up at the stars and trusted God for a purpose and a plan that He has for your lives, but it's even bigger than that. The heavens are telling of the glory of God. And their expanse is declaring the work of His hands. I want you to listen to a clip from a pastor maybe some of you have listened to before Passion City Church, Louis Giglio. Listen to what he said about this verse in Psalm 19. The scripture says, By the word of the Lord the heavens were made, the starry host by the breath of his mouth. We live in a little subdivision in the universe called the Milky Way Galaxy. In case you didn't know, that's where you live. Some of you are thinking you live in Shady Grove. No, you're living in the Milky Way Galaxy. That's your subdivision in the universe, a very big universe that we have to use something called a light year to get around in. You say, well, what's a light year? Well, that's how fast light travels in one year. And we know it's flying 186,000 miles a second. So if light goes 186,000 miles a second for a whole year, it goes 5.88 trillion miles in a year. And that's the measurement or one of the main measurements we use to get around in the universe that God has created. That's how big it is. The foot, not going to help you in God's universe. The yard, of no value to you whatsoever in God's universe. The mile, insignificant. The kilometer, Matt, uh, not going to help you uh, getting around in God's universe. We have to use a ruler that is 5.88 trillion miles long to measure things in God's universe. And our home subdivision, the Milky Way galaxy, just came into being. It, cons- it's con- it consists of billions of stars, just our subdivision, the Milky Way galaxy. Not hundreds, not millions, not hundreds of millions, billions of stars in our home subdivision, the Milky Way galaxy. And scientists say that there are hundreds of billions of other subdivisions and galaxies in the known universe. This shot is where we live. It's a little snapshot of the Milky Way galaxy. If you zoom into this star-forming region, see something pretty amazing. This particular shot is a close-up of a star-forming region in our subdivision taken by a friend of ours named Dr. David Block, who's an astronomer down at Witts University in Johannesburg, South Africa. And we were down there a few months ago, and he was telling us that if we were to count the billions of stars in the Milky Way galaxy, one star per second... So if we just started with any one of these, I don't know which one you want to pick. Um, let's just start with this one right here. And we, because I can reach it. And we start one, two, three, four, five. That looks like one, but I'm close enough to see it's two that are close together. Seven, eight, nine, 10, 11. Let's go back over here. 12. You're like, oh, please don't count them all. If we counted all the stars in our subdivision, one per second, it would take 2,500 years just to count the stars in the Milky Way galaxy. Wow. There are billions of galaxies. And in our galaxy, if we had started counting the stars in our galaxy when Jesus came into this world, we'd still have 500 years left counting a star a second. Wow. A yardstick 
listen, that is 5.88 trillion miles long. God's creation is so big that that's the little measure that we use to measure the stuff that we've observed so far. Wow. It's, it's breathtaking, isn't it? I can't even fathom. I can't even begin to get my thoughts around. And friends, heaven is part of that. Really, I could say that is part of heaven. Because as we look at heaven, we're going to see that heaven is a beautiful, there will be a beautiful city called the New Jerusalem that's going to come down. But really, heaven is going to be us enjoying creation like God always intended for us to. He's going to create a new heavens and a new earth. So all those 5.88 trillion miles per year stuff, our galaxy, 100,000 of those. 100,000 light years. And there's billions more of those. I don't think you ever get, get bored in heaven, amen? There's lots of places to go. And we know that, don't we? In fact, the more I think about that, man, Alexa's kind of cheap. I, I need more than that. I was made. You were made for more than this. Over the next little bit, I'm going to have the privilege, Lord willing, if God allows me to, to share with you about the greatest place that you could ever imagine. And can I share something with you? You can go there. You can absolutely go there. And you don't have to be perfect. Actually, you do. You do have to be perfect, technically. But God knew you couldn't. God knew I couldn't. So He, the perfect God, came and became a perfect man to pay so that you could get counted. Remember we talked about that last week. It's called justification. That God would transfer to you the ability. It's called He imputed. He transferred to you the ability to be seen as He's seen. Because you and I had to have that to enter into heaven. Isn't that incredible? And if we'll just say, Dear Lord, yes, absolutely. Yes. Yes, I I want the gift that you're offering to me. Why would I not? When you think about it, why would anybody not? Amen? Why would I think about this? Why would anybody not receive that gift? Well, the honest truth is some people don't know about it. Because of religion, many people don't know. There's a free gift of God's grace that He offers to us if we're willing to receive it. And by the way, friends, maybe that connects some dots for you. That's why it's so important for us as a church to share the good news with as many people as we possibly can. Because everybody needs to go to heaven. Amen? Everybody needs to have that opportunity. Some people aren't going. They know. But they're not willing to receive it. You see, it's not just a rational issue. Because if it was just a rational issue, the only rational decision is choose that. Right? We can see very clearly it's not just a head issue. There's some heart involved, isn't there? And we've got to be willing to submit ourselves to God. And you know what? Sometimes 
I just don't want to. There came a point in my life where I got tired of doing that. And I said, yes, God. I submit to you. I'm still growing in that. But I submitted my life to God and gave my life to Him. Friend, why don't you do that today? Why don't you... You know what? Last week, I'm going to ask him to put up on the screen the picture. This blew me away. Last weekend of the tent, 197 people came forward and put down their pieces of tent. That blew me away. That tells me that God is stirring in our midst. And we're willing to admit it and acknowledge it and even publicly take a step. As God begins to show you an even bigger picture, not just His purpose for you, but what He's really ultimately doing in this world, I want to ask you to respond to Him. Would you bow your head? We've got a lot to look forward to in this series together. Some really cool things that God teaches us in His Word. The hope that we have. And the biggest question has to be, so are you going there? And many of us would probably say, well, I hope so. Well, friends, better than that. The Bible says you can know so not because you're perfect, not because anybody in this room is perfect, but the Bible says if we put our trust in Jesus and what He did for us on that cross, you can 150% know that you are going to that place. So the question is, are you willing? Are you willing to receive that gift? Could it be that simple, Pastor Robbie? Yes, And you know what? Wouldn't a loving God make it simple? Wouldn't a loving God make it so simple that a boy or a girl or an 85-year-old or a person in this culture or another culture or throughout all generations, a very simple truth, God loves you so much that He sent His Son Jesus to die on the cross to pay for your sins. He rose again, showing that He has power over the grave if we put our trust in Him, that we will live forever in heaven. Would you say to Him right now, Dear Jesus, I believe. I believe You did that for me. And I trust in You. I ask You to come into my life. I want to go to heaven. I don't want to go to hell. I want to live with You forever. Thank you. So many, I believe, right now are making that decision. So many of you have already. And God bless you over the last few weeks. Some of you brought on your your, your little tile of tent last week. I need to get baptized. So you're ready to take that next step. I've given my life to Jesus in a service like this. But I want the world to know that I'm a follower of Jesus. Is that a decision you need to make right now? It is time for me to take some steps. We talked about last week partnering together with a group of people called a church and getting involved in what God is doing in this world. 
Is God calling you to take those steps forward? Is God calling you to get engaged in that? If people need to hear that message, there's some people that need to hear it from you that I'll never have the chance to talk to. Maybe God's calling you to go on that mission trip to Texas to be the hands and the feet of Jesus, to spread a little sunshine in this world. And there's so much bad news. There's so much hard things that God is still here and that we are the visible reminder to the world that God has not left. What a joy. It's easy. It's easy. Get on a plane, go clean up some stuff and get back on the plane and come back in Jesus' name and see the world change the person at a time. Father, we thank you so much for beginning to open up the curtain a little bit and helping us to get a glimpse of what you want us to see about heaven. I pray that you would begin working in our hearts and preparing us, getting us excited about the things we're going to learn together over the next few weeks. This is my prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.